breaking news, Damian Williams opts out of the 2020 NFL season. We just had to re-record this open to the podcast because we'd already finished recording, but I mean, this has been a long talked about, you know, point of contention on the podcast is what Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to do. Joey, as Damian Williams' number one truther, how do you feel right now? Yeah, I guess I just have to roll back all my uh, takes over the last month. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a clear-cut RB1 now. There you go. There, I said it. <laughs> clear-cut RB1 without Damian Williams. And that was my only argument is, you know, he wasn't going to be on the field, you know, 70, 80, 90% like some of these other RB1s. But now with Damian Williams out, and only Daryl Williams behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the depth chart. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do sign somebody, maybe a Devontae Freeman, potentially. But as of right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, clear-cut RB1. I will take back everything that I said. There you go. I mean, you've been getting killed by these. So far, two of our podcast bets were around the Patriots, who just lost half their defense to opting out, and then about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which just got a massive boost. So I'm feeling good about our pod bets. You're going to have to recoup on those. We'll see when there's no NFL season, the pod bets mm. become null and void. True, <laughs> true. Well, And we'll get into that in the podcast in a minute here. Final thing, what is, what's your initial thought? Where does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire go in drafts now and where should he go is he a first round pick now gut reaction he's a first round pick that's i think he is too yeah um now where in the first round i would still have him below the tier of obviously cmc saquon z camara delvin cook derrick henry i would have him below those six guys now would i have him at seven that's a discussion to be had at a later date but he could definitely go around pick 9, pick 10 is where I would feel comfortable taking him now with this news of Damian Williams not playing. Yeah, I think that he is locked in now as a first round pick. I guess it's just a matter of where he goes. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 79 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm Ben Hover, and as always, I'm going to be joined by Joey Carrion. We've got an interesting show lined up for you today. You know, I've always been honest and transparent about myself as a fantasy player. I think I'm pretty good at fantasy football, NFL, DFS especially, but what I'm not good at is any other sport period you know and it's not that i've played and failed at other non-football dfs games it's just that i've never really thrown my hat into the ring i've never known you know where to start now with mlb back and you know nba returning in a matter of days i've been you know considering trying to learn but it can feel really daunting luckily for myself and for everybody out there listening thinking of maybe making that jump from NFL to NBA DFS. I just so happened to host this podcast with a multi-sports DFS player, a self-proclaimed NBA specialist, and my boy Joey. So today, what we're going to be doing is really I've compiled 10 questions that I'm going to ask Joey, 10 questions really from the perspective of you know a complete novice 
in terms of NBA DFS. And hopefully Joey will be able to shed some light on some of the basic concepts needed to profit in NBA DFS. I'm really excited to get into this topic. But before we do, Joey, I mean, can you tell the people how to support the podcast? As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict if you are an Android. And then you can go ahead and leave a rating and a review. Each podcast app has a rating system. So just go ahead and leave five stars. We're the best out there. And then leave a review if you're feeling generous. You know, say some good words. Even some bad words if you don't like us. Uh, just, you know, leave a review. It helps us out a lot. And then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose. And then, like we've been talking about the last couple of episodes, we have our new website up and running at this point at the DFS Dose. Dot com so you can go ahead and check it out and you know we're talking about nba today diving into some other sports we are the dfs dose not the nfl dose um so i'm so i'm excited to get into that and you could probably expect some nba articles out of me going on the website starting this week and probably for the rest of the nba season so the dfs dose.com you could check that out when those come out and then obviously our nfl content that's going to be coming out in a month if we have a football season so those are the best ways to support us and yeah let's let's get into it now before we get into the main topic of our show you just said if we have an nfl season we've talked about this on just about every episode because how could you not but you know a few weeks ago you said you were about 50 50 in terms of whether or not you thought this nfl season would go off without a hitch so what are you thinking now have your thoughts changed i mean we're seeing players opt out every day um i mean how do, how do you think this is going to play out yeah i mean we've seen about 30 plus nfl players opt out of this season already and you know as the listeners know i'm a patriots fan and we have the most of any team so far some notable players like hightower and Chung, which are big losses. And just in terms of the NFL season, like, I don't want to be like that pessimistic football analyst that just says we're not having a season, but it's hard to believe that the NFL will have a season or will have a full season. And we have no idea if the NFL protocols will even work for, you know, the, the entire season. And I think realistically, I would put my money on either having a shortened season or no season at all at this point. That's where I'm leaning towards. Like, I know everybody wants to ignore it, but it's like we're a month away. And, you know, all it'll take is one outbreak with the team, just like we've seen in the MLB. And it'll be different with football because there's more players, obviously more staff. How will that affect like the scheduling of games? Because you can't postpone an NFL game. Like you can an MLB game, like, cause MLB is playing every day. NFL, you play once a week. You can't postpone a game because a team got COVID like an outbreak of COVID within their team. So I just don't see how that's going to work. And I feel like the only way that it will is if they follow the NBA and do bubbles. Now, I don't know the exact logistics of how the bubbles would work, but I feel like that is the necessary measure that they will have to take. And, you know, like I we were talking about it last night, the players will either 
opt out or they're going to have to sacrifice, you know, the six months, four months of their of their uh, families and friends to play in the NFL this year. So it's also like the contact level in the NFL is so much higher. You know, the linemen, you know, neck and neck, sweating all over each other, bleeding all over each other. It's not like, you know, MLB where the majority of the contact, I mean, they are passing the ball around from hand to hand, but it's just so different Mm -hmm. with the NFL. And we've seen, right. The MLB, it, it looks like they're failing right now. Meanwhile, the NBA, and the NHL, who have gone into bubbles, are coming back with no positive testing again and again. So it, it seems simple. It's are they going to be smart enough to like enact this bubble or not? And I guess I just don't know the answer. It doesn't seem to be like an option that's on the table, or if it is, it's like strictly behind closed doors. Really, Eric Ebron's tweeting that you know he's getting ready to be six months away from his people is like the closest we've gotten to any sort of confirmation from anybody in the league. But like, you know, maybe he's just doing that. You know, it isn't like a league mandated thing. And unless it is, I really doubt that this season is going to be able to happen the way that they are planning for it to happen and the way that they're acting like, you know, everything is fine as the flames are going on around them. Yeah, that's the biggest thing with me is like even the MLB is just acting like everything's fine after the Marlins had, you know, 17 players test positive and they had to postpone all of their games this week against the Phillies. Like, what if that happens with an NFL team? What are they going to do with the schedule? How is that going to impact, you know, the bye weeks in the season? Are we going to trust these players that have family, friends, you know, girlfriends, etc., want to go out? Are we going to trust them to self-quarantine for you know, 17 weeks of the regular season or what is it, 17 or 18 weeks now of the regular season. And then if they're in the playoffs, are they going to quarantine in the playoffs? Especially people that play on teams in nice cities like Miami and Houston, Dallas, LA, all nightlife spots. Are they, Are can we trust them to self-quarantine? And I don't know if we can at this point. I think it's stupid for people like that work in the fantasy industry just to flat out ignore what is going on because there's a good possibility that we won't have football so that's my take on it Uh uh-huh and that's a good take like i get it like even we've done it you know we've talked about stuff that might not happen like certain scenarios players that we like you know fantasy is like an escape for a lot of people so i'm not mad at that like i'm not mad at people talking about it like it's okay but at the same time it's like just a flaw to completely ignore it and not accept like the possible reality that we're about to be facing so you know obviously everybody the world the sports world the fantasy world like everybody's watching this and seeing how it's going to happen the nfl is by far the biggest sport in america so um you know i think these other leagues are sort of serving as trials to you know set up for the main entree but <laughs> it's just it's just i guess we'll find out um over the coming weeks so no need to really speculate because we don't have the answers i'm just hoping that the nfl finds a way to enact some sort of bubble because i feel like that is the only way that this you know plays out and in, mm-hmm. in having a season this year yeah i agree okay let's get in to the main point of this show 10 questions from a complete novice to an experienced NBA DFS player really coming from the perspective of somebody who is you know well versed in NFL fantasy right Mm -hmm. like if you listen to this podcast you know we've done 70 plus shows on either fantasy football or you know the majority of which on NFL DFS so I, I suspect that if you're listening to this you're at least familiar with NFL DFS and some of the theory that goes into that but it's like 
what do you do when you're trying to transition to a new sport for the first time? So let's start with question number one. And I, and I want to start at like the beginning process for a week in terms of research. You know, when the, what's the first thing you do when you're about to start preparing for an NFL week of DFS? For me, it's going and looking at the Vegas totals, the spreads, and then it's going from there. So how important is it looking at Vegas totals and spreads when it comes to NBA DFS and figuring out if that's a good indicator of games to target on a given slate? Yeah, I think it's just as important as the NFL for DFS to look at the Vegas uh, totals because you want to target those high total games just like how you want to target the high total NFL games. Like, for example... If the Lakers and Clippers are playing and they have a 240 total, that's a really high total. And then you're expecting a lot of scoring to, you know, be done in that game, which would then translate into players on the, on those two teams scoring a lot of fantasy points. So it is really important to look at the totals. Now, in terms of the spreads, you're not necessarily supposed to project blowouts. But obviously in the NBA, blowouts do happen. Really good teams face really bad teams. And then starters don't play as many minutes as they usually do. But I wouldn't really project that into, you know, your decision making when you're making a lineup. But all in all, Vegas totals are actually really important, just like how they are in the NFL. So you just mentioned minutes. My second question is really surrounding that. And minutes, to my very basic understanding of NBA DFS, is kind of like the end-all be-all of, of NBA, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about who is has the opportunity to be playing the most. It kind of reminds me of targets in the NFL. You know, everyone says opportunity is king. Doesn't really matter in the NFL like how good you are to a certain extent if you're going to be projected to get 10 targets in a given week. You're going to get plugged into the lineup. So can you talk about the importance of minutes in NBA fantasy scoring? Yeah, I would say from my personal you know, perspective and opinion that minutes are the most important thing when creating a team. Like you said, opportunity is king. And if you are going to be getting players that are priced in the low 4000s, low 5000s, sometimes even, you know, th- in the 3000s that are going to be playing 25 30 minutes, you're looking at, you know, a good potential fantasy output from that player because they're going to be on the court, they're going to be touching the ball, they're going to be getting rebounds depending on what position they play. Uh, they're going to be getting assists. It's just all about being on the court and being involved in the offense. So that is the biggest thing for me. And then that goes into uh, what I was just talking about with the low 3,000s, the low 4,000 players. So in the NBA, we see a lot of scratches. I know we'll get into this later uh, with some of the later questions, but late scratches are probably the most tilting and annoying part of NBA DFS. You're going to experience it every day. Um, You want to hope that teams can release their lineups before the slate locks, but sometimes they don't. And sometimes they scratch players after lock, and then that's when people start tilting. But if we get that news beforehand of somebody being scratched, like for example, Anthony Davis is questionable to play uh, tomorrow for the Lakers. If he gets uh, scratched before the game, we're then going to play JaVale McGee, who is only priced at, you know, I don't know his price off the top of my head, but I'm assuming it's like in the 4,000s, and he becomes a 30 to 35-minute player 
at a 4,000 price tag. That's just, you can't pass up that value. And that, that's what a lot of NBA is, is just taking the best value, the best, uh, fantasy, you know, who's going to score the most fantasy points per minute, uh, in, in terms of their salary. So just like NFL in this past season, we played Jalen Samuels when he was $4,000 that one week. Uh, and he was the Steelers starter and he went off for 23 points, easy lock and lock and load, you know, and that's what we do with NBA. We're looking for those players that are going to just exceed their expectation, their expected value tremendously by getting more minutes. And that that's just the most important thing. So one of the differences off the top of my head is that there's just so many more NBA games in a given week. Whereas with the mm-hmm. NFL, like if we know that Zeke is going to be out, that's getting reported on all week. And everybody knows that by the time Sunday comes along. So is it more, I feel like NBA, you have to be on top of the news right up until lock, especially with the reporting being a little bit shakier um, and with less time in between slates to be able to to build your lineups. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a time commitment, I would say. And that's something that personally I struggled with uh, at the beginning of this season. Like I I played for like the first two or three weeks and I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like I played up until they stopped. Like I didn't just because I'm like, I was working my actual job, you know, like that's like, cause that's my job. And like, if I'm working at night, it's hard to be on top of the scratches and the lineup changes and all that. But I will give a shout out to Fantasy Labs NBA Twitter. Um, if you're playing NBA DFS, must follow. Absolutely must follow. And if you don't care about notifications on your phone, turn on the notifications for the Fantasy Labs NBA Twitter. They tweet everything out in regards to scratches, lineup changes, minute projections, everything. Best best Twitter account to follow for DFS uh, in terms of M- NBA by far. Um and it's crazy because the Fantasy Labs NBA Twitter has more followers than the actual Fantasy Labs Twitter itself. So that uh, really tells you how important it is. So I will give a shout out to them. Uh, really good Twitter account. Everybody should follow it. But that that's probably the best way to keep up with all of the news that comes out. And like I just said, it's a time commitment. You have to be, you know, on your phone or at your computer prior to you know the seven o'clock lock or the 6 30 lock and you have to be willing to make those changes at a moment's notice when you get that news so it's just it's just all about uh committing to the time that it takes to uh make those changes okay so let's switch gears here for a second and talk about like the positions right mm-hmm. in DraftKings nfl you start nine players uh it's a 50k salary cap it is also a 50k salary cap in nba but you're only starting eight players right Mm -hmm. so you know in fantasy football everybody knows quarterback scoring is flat it's pretty steady across the position so in dfs oftentimes we pay down we know that running back consistency is scarce which makes it more valuable so we pay up at running back wide receiver is volatile on a week-to-week basis like these are things that are pretty well known and go into the way that we attack positions are there any similarities that you could draw for somebody who does isn't really familiar with the way the nba you know fantasy scoring works in terms of you know positional comparisons honestly to be completely frank they're like nba and nfl are entirely worlds different uh in terms of like this position does this pay down at running back or pay up at running back pay down at wide receiver no in nba 
the position, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it's not as important as other sports such as NFL because you can find players at each position in M- in the NBA uh, format. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. You can find players, you know, that are projected for 35 minutes at each position. You can find superstars at each position that you could pay up for or pay down for like like a backup point guard that's going to be starting and he's going to get 30 minutes and he's 4,200. So there's really no positional volatility, I should say. It's just all about playing the best plays that you think are at each position. But I will say, obviously, like a point guard, you know, every everybody should know that a point guard is the person that handles the ball coming up the court. So they're going to have the ball in a lot of their in their hands a lot of the time, which is going to lead to more assists. So the guards are going to have more assists. The bigger guys, like the centers, the power forwards, are going to have more rebounds. So in terms of that, like you'll see those guys get those stats more. But you know, you also have a guy like Russell Westbrook who's getting ten rebounds a game, ten assists a game, and he's a point guard. You have Nikola Jokic, who's a center for the Nuggets, and he's getting 10 assists a game uh, and his usual like 10 rebounds, 20 points, like double doubles, triple doubles from centers. There's a, there's a lot of good players in the NBA and the positions just frankly are not as important uh, as NFL. In terms of some of those scoring stats, like in NFL, you know, especially on DraftKings, which is full PPR, like we're looking for receptions, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're looking for touchdowns, which is something that I think is different from NFL and other sports. It's why NFL has such insane swings because, you know, a quarterback to wide receiver touchdown, you know, if you have both of those guys, you can be getting 14, 16 points off of one play. Whereas NBA, it's more about, like you said, the minutes that they're on the court and the compiling of stats throughout an entire game. So, I mean, what are the what are the key stats that we're looking for that are really the most important in terms of NBA DFS? Yeah. Uh, so obviously you want your player to score point, like actual real life points. Um, that's obviously a big thing because it's a point for each point that you score. So if you score a two-pointer, you get two points on DraftKings, two points on FanDuel. Um, both DraftKings and FanDuel have a three-point bonus. On DraftKings, it's 0.5. On FanDuel, it's one point for three-pointers. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we're comparing the two sites. Um, but other than that, like you just want your guy to be able to be in the position to score, to get assists, which are two points, um, to get rebounds, which is two and a half or three points, even blocks, which are weighted different on both sites. I wouldn't say there's really main one that you're targeting. Like, you know, on a PPR site, you might be targeting receptions on half PPR. You might be targeting touchdowns, et cetera, for the NFL in the NBA. There's, there's really no need to target like a specific category of scoring. You just want your player to be in the position to be able to get numerous points from numerous categories if that makes sense that does make sense how about stack right stacking to me makes sense in pretty much any sport right because especially in football though like we just talked about you know you stack a quarterback to a wide receiver you're opening your yourself up to have massive swings in the form of touchdowns right so is stacking important in nba dfs you know team stacking or game stacking either one it's it's not as important as it is in the NFL, because we know that stacking in the NFL gives you leverage over, you know, the field. Um, 
And stacking in general gives you leverage, like in terms of uh, DFS game theory. It's 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 a fine to stack in the NBA. Uh, you you don't have to necessarily. Like I wouldn't, you know, go out of my way to find a stack. But if a lot of like the the good plays, the value plays of that specific slate are ending up on you know the Lakers or a team like the Celtics or or whatever then yeah, it's fine to, to stack that team. And like we talked about with the totals, you're going to want to target those players in higher in higher total games. But with NBA, it's kind of it's kind of funky because those high total games can have two players that go off for, you know, 35, 40 points. Like we were talking about last night. Perfect example is the Portland Trailblazers where they have two primary scorers in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum who are going to do a bulk of the scoring so if they score you know 120 points in a game both of those two combined can have well over you know 50 60 percent of the total points for the trailblazers that night which would leave the rest of the players on the team to only you know have the red like the 40 percent uh, left over the 50% left over between three four five uh, guys behind those two top guys so it's just all about the specific team and the stars on that team and how they rotate their players in yeah but all in all I wouldn't say stacking is not important because like I just said it gives you leverage in any DFS sport but it's not as important as, you know, MLB and NFL. So, all right. So, talk to me about late swap. I've heard a lot of contention from the outside. Like, I always hear players are, are pissed about it. I, I guess I don't know why, because in NFL, it's less of a thing. I mean, it's obviously important, especially with the, with the break in, you know, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. games. It can make a huge difference, but there's so much more contention around it when it comes to NBA DFS. So why is that? Why is it such a point of controversy? Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Late swap is just so tilting. Um, but I will say DraftKings has late swap. FanDuel doesn't. So, you know, some people like FanDuel NBA better, but you're taking more of a risk. Like with how I talked about, like about 10 minutes ago, with players getting late scratched so that means the slate locks you can't swap all your players and the lakers rule out lebron james and he's in your lineup you're getting a zero with the thing the thing with FanDuel is they do drop your lowest nba score so if you have a zero they will drop it but it's still tilting because you're not able to swap off a player that got late scratched that's in with nba there's a lot of late scratches. It's it's terrible. I don't know the reporting system. It's worlds below the NFL's reporting system in terms of injuries. Uh, maybe that's because the NBA plays every day and the NFL only plays once a week. But the reporting is just terrible. The code, like the teams, just don't care enough to submit their lineups. You know, they just don't care. It's that simple. And then and then uh, you gotta just change your whole lineup based on the information that comes out after lock. So it's very, very uh, tilting to play NBA at times. Would you consider yourself a cash or a GPP player primarily in NBA? I know in NFL you play both, but you fancy yourself to be a GPP guy. Is that the same case for NBA? Uh, no, I hardly ever play tournaments 
in NBA. I'm strictly a cash game player, head-to-heads, double-ups. That's mainly all I play in NBA, honestly, is just head-to-heads and double-ups. Uh, I think there is an edge with, obviously, the late swap and being on top of the news, which other people aren't on. Um, so there's an edge in that, and I think there's a lot of value in the head-to-head NBAs that I play, like the $1, the $2, $5, and I think there is an edge in the double-ups as well. Now, I will say I have played GPPs, and I haven't done too well. I guess that's why I really don't play them, but making a cash lineup for me in NBA is very easier because I can really pick out the value of that night like I can see like this guy's is a value like I have to play him like it's just clear cut and dry in NBA there's really no like extra thinking and tinkering with your lineup it's this guy is this price and he's going to be on the court for 35 minutes play him there there's literally no other thought behind it like like I like I mentioned and the whole theme of NBA is you want your guys on the court and getting that value in cash it's just very easy for me so i'm just a cash player but there's there they do have some good tournaments especially with these slates coming up how how does that work in terms of like ownership where where an nfl for example like you know if zeke is out then tony pollard is gonna be 85 percent owned is it the same thing in nba oh yeah it's worse there's nothing like nba mm-hmm. ownership and i will say like as a dfs player you should be at least looking at projections, whether that be from, you know, services like Roto Grinders, other DFS players that have their own services like Osimo or Establish the Run or any of the other projection sites out there. You want to be looking at projected ownership for NBA. I think it's actually a pretty crucial part in the mate in the building of your lineup for that week because they usually do a very good job at projecting the highest owned players for a given slate. With that being said, you can fade an NBA. I wouldn't advise fading the quote unquote chalk in cash. I should say I wouldn't fade the, the, the chalk because likely it's good chalk. That player is cheap and he's going to be playing a lot. Now, obviously in tournaments, you want to, you want to, you know, get as much leverage as you can on the field. So you want to fade those players but in NBA, it's it's crazy. You wanna you wanna use projections in NBA for sure. That that's a big part. All right, let's pivot for a second and talk about the market. You know, what are the pros and the cons for DraftKings first FanDuel and in NBA? You've already talked a little bit about the late swap and you know maybe some of the scoring differences, but but which do you prefer and why? Yeah, so I prefer the DraftKings NBA. Um crazy because like i play mlb on fanduel i like the mlb way better on fanduel and i play nfl on DraftKings, and i play nba on DraftKings. so it's all about what you prefer there okay the major difference is with nba and fanduel you pick nine players DraftKings, you pick eight and then on DraftKings, you only pick one point guard one shooting guard one power forward one center, one small forward. So that's five. And then they essentially give you three utility spots. So you get a utility, then you get a forward spot. So you can pick a small forward or a power forward. And then they give you another guard spot where you could pick a shooting guard or point guard, 
whereas on FanDuel you're only you can only pick two point guards, only pick two shooting guards. So on a, any given night, you can have three of each position if that makes sense. If you want to, DraftKings has a triple double and a double double bonus. So if you're playing NBA, you probably know a double double is where you get ten points and then either like ten assists, ten rebounds, ten steals, etc. Triple double is the same, but just add another category onto that where you get over ten. DraftKings has bonuses for each of those. You do score more on FanDuel because the blocks are more, the blocks are three points on FanDuel. On DraftKings, they're two points. Like I mentioned earlier, they give you one point bonus for a three pointer. And you only get a half a point bonus on DraftKings. Steals are three points on FanDuel. They're two points on DraftKings. Rebounds are both 1.2 on each site. And assists are both 1.5 on each site. So the scoring is actually pretty similar. But like I just said, you score more on FanDuel because of the added uh, points to the three-pointer and the blocks and the steals. But I definitely prefer DraftKings format and the flexibility to play three of the same positions if I would like to for that specific slate. So definitely DraftKings. Yeah, the flexibility to play different positions sounds like it would be important, especially if chalk is even more consolidated in NBA versus NFL. Yeah. Looking at DraftKings specifically right now, do the tournaments to you look comparable to the ones that were available pre-COVID? You know, are the GPPs bigger or smaller? Are the field entries bigger or smaller? You know, is it like an impact of COVID thing or is it like people are so hungry to get back into DFS that, the you know, the market is even bigger now? Oh, yeah. We know that the market is, for the, for the NBA DFS, is going to be huge come Thursday. And we see that with a $4 millionaire maker uh, with... 899,000 entries on DraftKings for a two-game slate. The GPPs are out of control, um, way bigger than what we've seen, you know, pre-COVID. Um, and I think that's just a testament to the action that these sites are about to get for NBA on Thursday and Friday. And, you know, that's why we're putting this podcast out for the people that, you know, maybe want to dabble in to some NBA, learn a new sport. Um, I know that you might give it a try. Uh, so the action is, is going to be crazy, but we have a $25 millionaire maker, which is the standard, you know, NFL contest, $25, about 142,000 entries. First place becomes a millionaire. Um, so we have that on Friday as well. Tournaments are great on both sites, especially for NBA coming back. I'm, I'm definitely going to throw some some bullets into these contests and hope for a bing. All right. I'm hoping for you as well. Final question. I'm just going to give you the floor. Give me two minutes of analysis on this upcoming Friday slate, the big return. <laughs> the big return of NBA. So like I just said, it's a six game slate. We have some high powered offenses in Boston, Milwaukee, Houston, and Dallas that are all playing each other, even Portland. Uh, we have some subpar matchups in Orlando and Brooklyn, Phoenix and Washington. Those are pretty subpar matchups. As it stands right now, for Friday, it's hard to give like a proper analysis, especially on like who to play because of what we've been talking about for the entire episode uh, in regards to news about the lineups and, and who's not going to be playing. But if I had to 
give some analysis. I think that the top guys are going to be obviously the best plays on the slate. And I think you're going to need at least two of them to win the million dollars. Karis LeVert is one of my favorite plays for Friday, and he's only 7,800. That's pretty much all I've got in terms of analysis. Like I said, it's really, really hard to say what players are going to be good, but I would expect a lot of high-scoring games on Friday with the matchups that I'm looking at right now, especially that Houston-Dallas game. That'll probably be the high-scoring game of the slate and a lot of ownership on that, on those two teams. Uh, so that that's my guess for Friday. All right. I mean, good episode. I feel like I learned a lot on that. Hopefully the listeners did as well. Make sure you stay tuned to the DFSDose.com. Joey is going to have some articles coming out regarding this type of stuff especially with this coming week and nba returning so keep an eye out for that like you said at the top of the show you can support the podcast by following us on twitter instagram subscribing on apple music uh, spotify anywhere that you get your podcasts we are there and uh that's really all i've got for this week joey anything you want to add before we get out of here no i'm just excited for nba to come back you know i've been playing in mlb but i'm you know no expert at MLB DFS. I mean, I'm not an expert in NBA, but it is my favorite DFS sport to play. Actually, fun fact about me, I I like NBA DFS a lot. It's it's a lot of fun to just sweat the games and constant scoring, uh, constant uh, changes in the in the tournament standings. So yeah, I'm just excited for NBA to come back. And I hope I uh, helped somebody learn, you know, something new about NBA DFS. So definitely, I'm going to be in there this Friday, hoping for some beginner's luck. I'm trying to bank something one time for the one times. But thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. We're starting to get into the regular swing of things, hoping there's an NFL season. We're going to be on that schedule, so expect a podcast every Thursday for the foreseeable future, and we will talk to you next week.